Well, good morning, everyone. So if you're looking at the bulletin, I'm not Sean. You, you might have figured that out. Um, so Sean let me know uh, he wasn't feeling well, and we made the decision for me to fill in uh, this morning. So uh, the message, while not polished, is prepared, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so the text for today, uh, we're going to be using a lot of different verses, and I'm really going to be uh, exploring this concept of being kind to yourself. And we're going to talk about that in a lot of detail. And the, the primary passage will, be, will come from Matthew chapter 22. Uh, most of the verses are going to be on the screen, but you're obviously um, more than welcome to follow along. And before we read the passage, I, I kind of wanted to set the idea of, of what we're going to be talking about. So this definition on the board here of kind comes from Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is just a wonderful source of, uh, of good definitions, a lot of rich references to God throughout that dictionary. And so kind is, de- is described as being disposed to do good to others and to make them happy by granting their requests, supplying their wants, or assisting them in distress. So if you take that definition and apply it to yourself, kind of this idea of self-care, we hear this a lot. So we're really going to explore that uh, idea. And we're going to look at things like how does God view us, because that really plays a a really big, important role in being kind to ourselves. How are we supposed to love others? Having an outward focus is a big part of this concept as well. Do do we have to love ourselves first? There's that passage talks about loving others as you love yourself. So we're going to explore that a little bit. And then how do we balance being kind with ourselves without being conceited or prideful, because that's certainly not what that verse is encouraging. So we're going to explore these topics and others, and like I said, we're going to use Matthew chapter 22 kind of as the, as the base passage for this discussion this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and read it through, and uh, there's a couple of things in this that we're going to talk through, and then we're going to kind of work through this whole idea of, of how we're kind to ourselves. So if you'll follow along with me from Matthew chapter 22... Verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, or to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great, the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So would you join with me in prayer? Father, as we open your word today, help us to set aside all distractions and the the burdens and cares of life that sometimes weigh us down, Lord. Help us to focus at your feet. Speak to our hearts and help us to find those nuggets of truth that you can use to encourage us Grow us and draw us closer to you, Lord. We give you all the glory. We thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to spend just a, a couple of moments going through this, pasture, this passage uh, quickly. So um, if you look, kind of set the scene. From this scene, you can see that they asked him a question to test him. So in other words, they're asking this question of Jesus in order to sort of trick him or trap him. And so they, the question they ask him is, what's the greatest commandment? And they're, they're hoping that his answer will somehow give them some opportunity 
to attack Jesus and prove that he's not who he says that he is. Of course, that's not what happens because he is God. And so he answers them very succinctly. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he clearly identifies that that's the first and greatest commandment. Then he gives another commandment. So there's two commandments in this verse. And he says, and the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two concepts are so important that he says the entire law and the prophets depend on that. So they're pretty important, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy. We're not going to look at the first of the two very much um, because that's a whole other sermon, really. Um, so this first idea, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, that's, that would be, you know, that might even be a, a month of sermons, really. Uh, so we're going to focus on this second one where he says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So one thing to understand, this is not two commandments. Otherwise, Jesus would, say, would have said, I give you three commandments. Love the Lord your God, love others, and love yourself. That would be three commandments. This is only two. So really the focus here is on loving others. The focus is not supposed to be on loving ourselves. Okay? But he's using kind of this comparison. We're going to dive into that quite a bit about what it means what does, it, what does he mean by loving yourself? Because, but the focus is not on loving yourself. The focus is on loving others. And so we're going to spend a little, a, a little bit of time exploring some other verses. But as we dig into this passage, I want us to think about this concept of loving ourselves. Right? So loving ourselves could mean probably one of two things. It could mean maybe like a conceited, prideful, arrogant thinking that we're better than others. Right? Clearly, that's not what Jesus means. There's numerous scriptures, and we're going to explore them as to why that's not true. The other thought would be to be thankful of how God has made us and viewing ourselves as image bearers of God. That's what he means. So we're going to kind of dig into this and explore a number of passages that help us understand why we're not supposed to be conceited and think too much of ourselves, but yet we're supposed to value ourselves. And there's a, there's a balance there, Right? So let's think about this for a minute. There's many warnings in Scripture about us being conceited or prideful. I think I have five or six verses that we're going to go through. Just to drive the, the point home that that's not what the teaching is about today. Um, so the first one here that I've got up here is found in Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. It's a pretty pointed verse when you read through it. And I was going to shorten it when I put it on the slide, but I thought, no... I think the whole thing helps us understand how important it is not to have an arrogant, prideful, self-centered view of, of, of ourselves. So the, uh, Timothy writes, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. So if you're experiencing some times of difficulty, it's expected, right? Everything we see going on uh, around us in the world that, that really causes us a lot of uh, to wonder. You know, what's going on? It's expected. And, and this is how he describes the, the last days. Timothy describes them. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pre- pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. So, pretty clearly, we're not supposed to be in that category, right? So when he says in that passage, love others as yourself, he's not talking about this kind of loving yourself, this arrogant, prideful, conceited, hey, look at me kind of thing. And I think it's pretty pointed in the end. It says, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So there's a power that comes from being godly that, that comes from Christ. But when you have just the appearance of that, you, you don't have the full blessing of it. And that's really what he's talking about. So he describes a rather despicable situation that's clearly not what that passage is talking about. This isn't what Jesus is telling us to do when he says, love yourself. A couple other passages. We could probably list hundreds of these. There's a couple of Proverbs that I, that I always am I'm trying to remind myself when somebody compliments you or says you're doing a good job or something like that. You have to remember that it's Christ in you during the work and, and you're not the one that's getting the glory. The glory goes to God. And that's kind of what these passages talk about. Uh, the first one, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So about 15 years ago, I used to teach at the Naval Academy. And I've told this story to, my, to the Bible group several times. And I would often give the same lesson three times in a day. One of the other professors got sick, and I had to give the same lesson five times. The exact same lesson. And I always prayed before the lesson. Always. Because it's pretty dynamic when you're up there in front of everybody, and they ask questions, and you know, I know that it's the Lord working in me. So I think it was the fourth or fifth time. I was like, ah, I don't need to pray. And this is like number four. I've already done this four times. I got this. So I was up at the board writing. Literally, my entire mind went blank. I was teaching electrical engineering. I couldn't remember anything. Complete blank. And I had the paper in front of me of my notes that I was lecturing from, and I couldn't even seem to read them. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I definitely need you. Please help me. (laughs) And so... It slowly came back, and I was like, oh, wow. So trust me, this verse is true. If you think you can do it on your own, even if you've done it multiple times, it's always remember important to remember that it's God who's working in you. He's the one giving you the power. He's the source of your strength, and it's not your cleverness or you being crafty or smart or any of that kind of stuff that's getting you through. So the other passage is very similar. Um, before destructions, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So this idea of humbly understanding that it's Christ working in us, it's his blessings, it's his working, it's his power that we're relying on, and all the fruits and everything that you do and you see are really just a reflection of what God's doing in your heart. So if we think about this then, we're definitely not supposed to be conceited, prideful, arrogant, haughty. That's not what he's talking about. But having this right image of others certainly is outward focused, right? If we're supposed to, if we're to understand how God loves us and, and to let him flow through us, we're supposed to be loving others. So if you think of this definition of kind that we started with, disposed to do good to others, to make them happy, granting their requests, supplying their wants, or assisting them in distress. Really, there's a lot loaded in that definition. That's really how you're kind to others recognizing what they need, and then by, by what Christ is giving you, you're meeting them in whatever need it might be. 
The Bible, it's interesting. Try and find a verse that says we're supposed to love ourselves in Scripture, like a direct command. It's not in there. But the assumption is you're going to take good care of yourself, which is a com- kind of a completely different concept. I read one uh, writer who said that it's just this natural sort of process that we're supposed to take good care of ourselves. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about New Year's resolutions. Probably a lot of us make New Year's resolutions that are centered around doing better things for ourselves, whether it's exercise or eating or uh, time in meditation, time in the Word, whatever, all that self-care. So clearly we're supposed to have a focus where this body that we have is God's temple and we're supposed to be, keep it in good working order so we can do God's work. And that's biblical, but there's no direct command. The only verse I saw that was somewhat referencing this is found in Ephesians. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So you find numerous references in scripture where it says you're supposed to just naturally take good care of yourself and like you take good care of yourself, take good care of others. Like you take good care of yourself, take good care of your wife. Like you take good care of yourself, Christ in turn takes good care of you. And that's kind of the concept in this loving others as yourself. And we're going to kind of focus on this outward piece of this where we are focused on helping others. So I think we also need to consider why. Why would we want to take good care of ourselves? Like, why is that important? Why should we just naturally want to um, be a good steward with, the, with this body that, that God has given us? Well, I think one thing is we're created in the image of God, right? So take a moment and really think about that as we read this passage. It's from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Johnny Erickson Tata, most of you probably heard that name before. She does a lot of uh, uh, devotionals and, and speaking. Uh, and she's a quadriplegic. And uh, just her story is just, just amazing. And she talks a lot about being an image bearer of God. That's a term I've heard her use a lot. So as an image bearer, what does that mean? What kind of responsibility is that? God created us in his image, and, he, and we are the tools he uses today to show others what it looks like to live for Christ as we bear his image. Now, we also do some things that may not bear his image very well. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But really, that's, that's something important to remember, that we're supposed to be this this image of God as Christ works in us. I think it's also important to remember God created you exactly the way you are. Wasn't a mistake. He didn't mean to create you like some other person that you look up to or give you some other gift that they have that you might not have. He didn't make a mistake and go, oh, oh, sorry, I, I forgot to give you this. That's not the way it worked. He was very purposeful when he created each and every one of us, and he gifted us with certain gifts that we're supposed to be using to bless and encourage one another. And we all have different gifts. Every single one of us has something that we're gifted in and that we have to share with one another. That's kind of this concept and why it's important to just naturally take good care of ourselves. We should just naturally be on that course. In addition... Consider this passage from Psalm 139. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So I, I think it was a couple months ago they were doing a verse similar to this down in the children's school. So you, you typically see this taught a lot in, you know, helping them understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But if, have you ever stopped to think about that? Think about the miracle that you are and how God made you. And it's also important to remember that it's God who made us, God who works in us. It's not anything I'm doing. It's not any wonderful thing I've created or anything that I've done. It's all of Christ, none of me is the idea. And then we get to be blessed in the process as we recognize his work in, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And then when we recognize that, look at the first three words of that verse. I praise you. So the response of us being fearfully and wonderfully made is praise back to God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So we love ourselves by treating ourselves well and recognizing that we're fearfully and wonderful made, wonderfully made, and then we turn that back around into praise to God. There's another passage in Ephesians 2.10. This one's a little more subtle when you read through it, but the passage reads like this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that word, his workmanship, is actually the Greek word poema, where we get our English word poem or poetry. So you are God's special poem. Your poetry in motion. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah. And again, it's, it's not a prideful thing. It's just who he has made us to be. And, and I think it's really important to remember that. And that's another reason why we, you know, it helps us to understand who we are so that we can then turn around and love others as Christ loves us. So when we love others... And we turn this around, so we got we kind of built this, you know, foundation of who we are in Christ, and how it's none of us, all of Him, but He's really doing a marvelous work in us, and we should be good stewards of that. The other thing to think about is loving others, right? So once we have this kind of, if if you're always focused on yourself, it's hard to recognize what others might need. So uh, all of us probably go through those times when we're just. Um, burdened down where, where we are focused on us. But uh, those should be times of exception, not times of norm, right? Uh, our, our, normally, we should be focused on how can we, how, Lord, how can you use me to help others? And so that really begins by understanding what God has done for us. So in 1 John 1, 9, you find the verse, we love because he first loved us. So Jesus first loved us. And I think it's interesting to think about when he first loved you. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this love that God has for us, he's always had it. He loved us first. And even when we sin, he keeps loving us. So it's this unstoppable sin. And we don't want to take it to the extreme, like, like Paul said, you know, okay, therefore should we sin that grace may abound, and certainly not. That's not the idea. But the idea is to remember that if he could love you before you even confessed him as your Lord, 
why wouldn't he always love you? And that's kind of the, the idea that Paul's trying to drive home that. So consider that God always has and always will love you, which is really important because sometimes we don't feel very lovable, right? So continuing this about loving others is a passage in, in Philippians, I think, that's really important uh, to help us think about this outward focus. So Philippians talks about, uh, Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So the idea here, we're supposed to look at our motivation, right? So remember when, uh, when uh, the Jesus was teaching and, and he saw the uh, Pharisees coming to give their donation at, at the uh, temple. And they made this big show of dropping in all this money. And then this uh, poor person comes along and drops in two mites which is less than like a penny. I mean, it's like hardly anything. Jesus said the second one gave more than the first because of the way they gave. So that's kind of what this is talking about. Take a look at your motivation for why you're doing what you're doing. If you're doing it so you can be recognized, well, that's your reward. You'll be recognized. But if you're really doing it to serve others and to glorify God, then that's that storing up in heaven treasures that are forever kind of an idea. So we're supposed to be serving others, living for others, and in humility, helping them and realizing that you are not better than them, even if you happen to be in a better position, or you happen to have different gifts, or you happen to have a different calling. Different is not better. It's just different, right? Remember when uh, Paul was teaching about the, we're all members of the same body, and, it, you know, the finger can't say to the foot, I'm better than you, because you need both, right? I mean, feet are great for walking, but if you go to pick something up, it's kind of nice to have a hand, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea that he was talking about. So different is not better. And I really think this passage for me, I go to this a lot in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Uh, the, the whole psalm is wonderful. You should really, really, the whole thing is, is just fantastic. But in the end of that psalm, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me, and some translations put that any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's kind of this invitation to the Lord to say, okay, I might, not, I might be tricking myself. Because I, I know if you're like me, you're pretty good at justifying what you do, and you can figure out a pretty good excuse for almost anything. I'm, I can be very convincing even to myself. And so this passage is encouraging us to let the Lord search our hearts to see if we are fooling ourselves in some way or, or not really listening to what the Lord wants us to learn in a particular situation or how he wants us to act or what our motivation is. That's really what this passage is about. And it really kind of goes back to this idea of being kind to ourselves because we don't want to be self-focused. We want to be others-focused. So... Another, uh, another concept, uh, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you're also to love one another. How many of you really have a good definition of love? Like when somebody says, oh, you're supposed to love others. What does that mean? What does it mean to really love someone? So I've heard many different people define it. Obviously, a lot of people go to that passage in uh, Corinthians 13, 
where it talks about love is kind, love is patient, love is... And that's a, that's a wonderful definition. It really is. But it really doesn't define love. It shows you what love does, what love looks like. Love is this and this and this. So if you think about that definition of kindness that I had earlier, I kind of spun it around a little bit. And we could think of love as doing good to others and supplying their needs or assisting them in times of distress by the power of Christ that's in us. That's, that's really what he's talking about here when he says love others as you love yourselves. So, you know, think about that definition. Think about what that means. And then when you see a need in somebody else, what's your reaction? How do you respond? How do you meet that need? How does, how does Christ move you? I remember when I first moved to Maryland, Annapolis, Maryland, it was like 2000. Um, I was driving down the street I lived on and I saw a moving van. And I thought, oh... I should probably go help them. They're new neighbors, and, you know, they, they had kids running all around, and it looked like a lot of chaos. But I was really b- busy that day, and I thought, ah. So about a week goes by, and I met the people that just had moved in. I met the, the wife. She was, like, out by the mailbox, and I said, hi. How's your move going? Oh, it's terrible. My husband threw out his back. There was no one to help me, uh, help him unlift the boxes out of the truck. And I was oh. And it, it was very clear that the Lord was saying to me, look, you, you need to help these people. And I didn't. Uh, so then I, I, I felt terrible, confessed to them what I'd done, and then helped them uh, move some things around and stuff. But I mean, it's those kind of things that happen in your life when you're like, wow, Lord, you clearly wanted me to reach out to somebody else, and, and I didn't. And then you see the consequence. Um, and so really, love would have been, they had a need, I had the means, you know, you go and support their need. That's really what he's talking about here. So, and it's not something that you do once and you check the love box and you just move on. Okay, I loved somebody last month, so I'm good. Uh, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So the idea is it's a continual process that the Lord is, is always working in our hearts. And then the motivation here. Love covers a multitude of sins. So as you love others, they may need that love because they've done something to wrong either you or someone else. And so you can come alongside and encourage them, you know, to get back in touch with the Lord for that forgiveness and healing that he brings. And then you mirror that and and show them the same thing. Uh, And it's a really powerful way. So it's this continuing action where we're supposed to be loving others. Now, what does all this mean, though? How does this have to do with being kind to yourself? Like, how's, how's all this going to wrap together? Well, hopefully the next couple of thoughts that I, I bring will help show you at least one application. Um, as we move through the passage, I'm sure a lot of you have thought of ways to apply this, but this is what came to my mind. So, have you ever wished you were someone else? Probably everybody in here has at one point or another. Or have you ever felt that, that you were the source of the problem, right? So we're supposed to be loving others as ourselves. Remember that whole loving your wife as you love yourself, loving others as Christ loves you. When you're not caring for yourselves properly, a lot of things break down. And that self-focus, you lose track of who you are in Christ. It's more difficult to reach out and serve others. And kind of there's this impasse. And until you get through that, it's really difficult to, to not only enjoy the blessings God has for you, but to be a blessing to others. And 
you really get to the point where maybe even it's so egregious that you hate yourself or you feel you're the enemy, right? You ever been to that point where you think, well, I'm the source of everything that's going wrong. It's all me, it's all... And I don't mean like a, like a prideful or, you know, trying to seek attention, but you're literally in that place where you think, God doesn't love you, no one else loves me, and everything else is, everything is going terrible. We've probably all been there. So when you get to that point, remember this, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you've heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on, on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So if you ever consider yourself the enemy, here's a passage for you to love yourself even then. Right? Isn't that what this passage is teaching us? We're supposed to love our enemies. So even when you think you're the source of the problem, you can still be kind to yourself in that moment. And then start to go through that mental discipline of who am I in Christ? I'm an image bearer of God. He's worked in me certain gifts. They may not be used at that moment, but all those truths remain true. Whether you feel them or not, they're still true. And so you can pray for God to work in your heart and correct that image of yourself. Not to the point where you become prideful. That's not the idea, obviously. But to the point that you understand that God loves you just the way you are. Broken and sinful. And so, when you're in that, you shouldn't expect yourself to be perfect. There's only one who's been perfect. You are not him. Right? I mean, that's... that's so we know... We're going to make mistakes. We know we're going to trip and fall. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that in 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So God knows we will sin. Remember, he still keeps loving us. And he provides the path for restoration. The very next verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you think about that, you know you're going to sin. You're not going to be perfect. At some point, it may even get to the place where you feel like you're actually the enemy. Talk to the Lord and pray through that process. Confess whatever it is that's caused the initial tripping or the continual tripping, whichever situation you're in, and then he does the rest of that work. See how it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's kind of the idea as we listen to the Lord and His healing power works in our lives. So, a summary. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to actually play a song to help us reflect on this. So, the the idea that I was trying to bring forward here, the Lord impressed on my heart, was, was how do we properly be kind to ourselves? What does that look like? Um... And, and it really starts by understanding the commandment, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it's not a teaching to be arrogant or conceited. It's just an expectation that we're going to take good care of ourselves. And scripture 
gives us everything we need to learn how to take good care of ourselves. I've given a few passages, but there's numerous passages in there that you can focus on and develop in your own, what I would call mental well-being or, or, or spiritual health. We need to understand that we're God's poem, like literally his poetry, and we're supposed to bear his image. Really important to keep our mind on that. We're sp- certainly supposed to love others, using every gift and everything that God has given us to reach out and love others um, and, and show them what it looks like to live for Christ. God loved us when we were sinners, and he keeps loving us, always. So I heard, once heard a pastor put it this way. God could never love you any more, and he could never love you any less. And that's the idea. He absolutely loves you, which is just amazing. Um, And when we think we've become the enemy, learn to love your enemy. Learn to be kind to yourself even when you're in the depths of despair. And let him work in your heart and, and reveal those truths to you. So you can be encouraged and strengthened and make it through that process and get back to where you know, the Lord wants you in this kind of this abundant life that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So I wanted us to think about this, this concept. Um, and the idea for this sermon came from a song that I heard um, that we're going to play. And uh, it's by a, um, a guy named Andrew Peterson. Some of you may have heard of him. He does some just amazing uh, Uh, really deep songs. And the name of the song is actually called Be Kind to Yourself. So so imagine that. And the words are up here. And I'm going to ask Tim to to cue it up. And I'm not going to talk, but as he goes through, I want you to think about the message and the words to this song. So thanks, Tim. You got all that emotion that's heaving like an ocean And you're drowning in a deep, dark well I can hear it in your voice That if you only had a choice You would rather be anyone else I love you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit Is pointed like an arrow at your chest When the voices in your mind are anything but kind And you can't believe your father knows best I love you just the way that you are I love the way he's shaping your heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself How does it end when the war that you're in Is just you against you against you Gotta learn to love, learn to love Learn to love your enemies too Can't expect to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit You belong to me, whatever you do So 
So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath and believe that I love you. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Think through what it means to be kind to yourself and how you can apply that to your lives. We are all going to be in the place. Now, this song, he actually wrote this for his daughter who was going through a difficult time and wanted her to help her see who she was in Christ and how she could get through that difficult time. And really, we've all been there, right? We've all been in the place where we lose sight of who we are, what God wants to do in our lives. But he loves you. He wants to work in your heart, and he wants you to be effective for him, to give him glory in all that you do. So I just pray that something from this message will really touch your heart. So would you join with me in prayer as we close out? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the commandment to love others as we love ourselves. Help us, Lord, to understand what it means to love ourselves, to be kind to ourselves. Help us to understand who you are and how you want to work in our lives. And use us for your glory, Lord, and help us to draw nearer to you. We thank you for this time this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.